Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the ESPN Player College Football Podcast, the penultimate one for this season. Yes, boo-hoo, I hear you say. Uh, Simon Clancy here, along with Matthew Sherry, Gridiron Magazine editor, and we have reached the finale, the final game of the season, the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide against the number two ranked Clemson Tigers. Kind of what we would say, what we would have said uh, pre-season, Matt, in terms of if we were trying to predict a national championship game. But it's still got to be played, and it's still going to be a hell of a matchup. Alabama, led by Tua Tungavailoa, runner-up in the Heisman Trophy, against Trevor Lawrence, the the freshman sensation that we know so well from our trip to Cartersville to spend a couple of days with him last year. I'm jacked for this game, very, very excited. We'll get into the the X's and O's of it in a moment, but just you know, sum up your feelings sort of 48 hours away from, from kick-off. I'm glad to hear your, you say you're jacked, because all I, all I hear and read is that nobody is interested in, in seeing the fourth version of this. And to, that, to that, I would say... If if anybody listening is a boxing fan, right? Think about Gary and Ward and these trilogies that have happened over the years and things like that. And by the time you've reached the third or fourth one of those, usually the excitement is higher. So I have no understanding whatsoever when these two teams now both have outstanding quarterbacks. These two teams have the first overall picks of the next two drafts, provided both declare at the first year of eligibility. Why is there any reason not to be insanely excited for this game? I mean, if you're a football fan, a Premier League fan, if you're offered the opportunity to watch Manchester City-Liverpool again on Monday, given that last night there was an absolute classic yeah. of a game at, at the Etihad, you'd pretty much take it, right? I mean, it seems bizarre to me that, that, that we're... And I, I wonder whether or not it's malaise carried over from the... From all the excitement about being an expansion, then everybody kind of wets the bed in terms of Georgia didn't play very well, UCF didn't play very well, Ohio State sort of limped over the line, Michigan were awful. There were just some really bang average bowl games, as we discussed in the last podcast. I, I wonder whether it's a bit of a malaise from that. And as we get closer... Imagine if there was like a, a three ludicrous players, like a kick six and a pick six and a block punt touchdown that led to not redeem getting into this game against Alabama. Like, imagine how grim that would be. Hmm. Compared to what we've got here, which to me is a completely a pick and match up. I mean, I, I know Alabama are five and a half point favourites, but for me, it's this is a complete flip a coin, similar to you mentioned Liverpool City last night. Put Liverpool City from last night onto a neutral field, and that's what you, you've got here. I mean, frankly, I've been kind of analysing the rosters in, in greater depth today, and I, I actually think Clemson are, are a deeper team than Alabama. The other reason I'd give the edge to Bama is because it's Bama. But my concern coming in and it has been throughout the season was experience at the skill positions for, for Clemson. As good as Trevor Lawrence is, and he patently is, you know, you already see him making legitimate NFL throws. 
you know, and he has done all season, but certainly in that semi-final, he was making the sorts of throws that you would see NFL quarterbacks make that scouts will be drooling over. And let, let's make no mistake about it. He would be the first overall pick in the 2019 draft were he eligible. There is absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. But I, I was concerned about his inexperience and also the inexperience of, of the surrounding cast. You look at Justin Ross, you look at T Higgins, you look at Travis Etienne. You know, these are guys as explosive as they are. They are young players. Etienne, a sophomore, uh, Higgins, the, the freshman, you know, it, it, these are young, young players. And I just wondered in the kind of the heat of battle, whether or not perhaps Alabama's experience might be, might be a bit too much for them. But that didn't show up against Notre Dame and, and at it feels all. like they've almost, you know, Clemson are a much better team now than they were in October. You know, it feels like they've almost gone through that journey in this season. And, you know, this is the way college football's gone. Last year's playoff was won by true freshmen. The, the, the playoff, the national championship game, was won by true freshmen coming into the game at halftime and changing the face of that contest. This is the way it's going now. I mean, you know, Clemson and Alabama of programmes like that in the past have always had this great advantage where they recruit brilliantly every year and then players go there. I remember Nick Saban's side. We, we were sat in a press conference last year. Alabama had just beaten Mississippi State and they'd had a lot of injuries that year. And Saban was talking, and he was quite angry, wasn't he? I mean, he's always angry after mm-hmm. games, but apart from when he's chucking he's oranges angry, around. Um, but, you know, he was quite angry after the game. He was saying, I have to go into these recruiters' house and say, I have guys mourning, well, if I come to Alabama, I'm not going to play for two years. Well, look at this team now. That's what he said about last year. And that's the way even Alabama are having to go, because, you know, you're seeing guys... Justin Fields at Georgia transferring after one year in, in college. So these guys are having to play earlier. They're playing earlier and they're shining earlier. And that, to me, suggests that the high school game's improved and everything else. But, I mean, it's just... I think Clemson are ready for this stage. I think I think Trevor Lawrence already had his coming out party and we've spoken about him, you know, with an invested interest all season in a way that maybe other people haven't. But... I just think it's going to be an amazing game. And I mean, you break down every element of these teams and you see strength meeting strength. Let's have a look then when Clemson get the ball offensively. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, we've talked about him. We know what he is. We know that he's mobile enough to manipulate the pocket. He's also mobile enough to make yards with his feet. He's got a a big arm. I suppose one slight concern for me would be that whilst he's a very good deep ball thrower, he does have a tendency sometimes to just float his deep balls and allow T Higgins and Justin Ross to go up and get them a little bit and high point those balls. And, you know, there is the opportunity for for passes to be intercepted. But, you know, running back wise, you know, we talked about ETN finished in the top five in the Heisman voting, had a tremendous year. Tavian Feaster, you've got Adam Choice, the senior, who can come in and pound it a little bit. Lynn J. Dixon, the, the freshman, the, the kid they love out of Butler, Georgia, who they think is going to be you know, a really, really great player in, in, in seasons to come. And then a lot of different players at receiver, you know, in terms of Ross, in terms of T. Higgins, but obviously then Hunter Renfro caught the winning touchdown pass against Alabama in Tampa a couple of years ago from Deshaun Watson. They've got players on the perimeter, and I think that's the key battle there. Really, for me, there's two key battles. This is one of them. Alabama's inexperienced cornerbacks, especially Patrick Satan, the, the highly regarded freshman who's, you know, who's clearly going to be a very good player, but it has struggled at times this season. Sertan and how he matches up with Ross and with Higgins and with Renfro versus um, that that Alabama secondary. I, that, that for me is a really critical area. And the other critical area then is the offensive line of Clemson. 
They were beasted, really, by Alabama last year. Gave up five sacks to Kelly Bryant, a more mobile quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. You know, and, and this Alabama defense now with Quinn and Williams, 17 tackles for a loss, seven, um, seven sacks. Uh, Raquan Davis, you've got, uh, you've got uh, Christian Miller coming off the edge. You've got Anthony Jennings. That, I think, for me, is, is the real critical matchup. How, can, how well can Clemson protect Trevor Lawrence? Because Oklahoma's offensive line, which won the award for best offensive line in the nation uh, at the end of the season... Really struggled to get yeah, a handle on, yeah. on on Bama's pass rush. Mac Wilson controlling things in the middle there. You know they were running the blitzes that they were able to run were just able to really confuse Oklahoma. Drew Samir, I think, had his worst game. The right guard, who for me is a top forty pick in the NFL draft, had his worst game of the season. He was all over the place handling Quinn and Williams. Um, it's going to be a huge, huge battle, I think, for for the center Justin Falsinelli against Williams to to really a fifth year senior. This is the big redemption game, I think, for Clemson's, Ohio, uh, Clemson's offensive line. Can they, you know, get back to the state that they've been through much of the season, given what happened last year in the in the national championship? I, th- I think they have two advantages, Clemson. I think the offensive line will struggle, and I think they should go into the game almost accepting the reality that Bama are going to dominate that matchup for me. I just don't see how you can live without Quinn and Williams. We talk about first overall picks in the last pros- mm. pod- podcast. Right in the mix. I mean, he could absolutely be the guy. Um, the big advantage they have is is two things. One, as much as what you've just said is right about Lawrence throwing it up, I think he does that on purpose because he knows that his receivers are good enough to make the plays. And the fact that they're good enough to make the plays means that really you can max protect a little bit more and accept that sometimes you are just going to have to throw 50-50 balls up. And and Higgins and Ross. Both 6'4". I mean, they're massive. They're absolutely enormous guys. You can throw the ball up to six foot four wide receivers, especially ones with I mean some of the some of the body control that, that Ross showed in the in the Notre Dame game was absolutely insane. So I mean, you'll be going up against Satan who's six two, Savion Smith who's six one, and then Shaheen Carter who's six foot. So these are no slouches, but it is an adva- it is a big advantage. I mean Higgins uh, Ross, sorry, really interesting kid as well. I mean he is the he is the top ranked, the only top ranked guy in the state of Alabama to not sign for the Crimson Tide since 2012 when James Winston did it. So he's going against his his home state team as well. I think his his, his mum is a big Alabama fan, so that that's interesting. He'll have a real point to prove. The other huge advantage on the offensive line is Hunter Renfro. If you ever need a guy to get open in college football within two seconds of the snap on a little five-yard route that'll gain you eight yards in, in overall yardage. Renfro's that guy. And they've got to use him as that guy. I mean, he is the... He is... Wes Welker, he's Julian Edelman. He is that classic little white slot receiver with insane quickness. You guy at, at Dallas as well. And and he'll be drafted as well. I mean, I think mm. I think oh. he'll be drafted a lot higher than people think he so will. He's going to be a third or fourth round so, pick, Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the end of the second round. This is a guy for me who'll have a 10, 12-year NFL career and be exactly what he's been in college. But he's a guy in this game, you know, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm scheming it up where the whole game plan builds around Renfro and little five-yard passes and then you max protect and you take your deep shots because... I don't want to be throwing the ball 20 yards down the field with five offensive linemen protecting only in this game. You need to max protect and take advantage of the height you've got on the outside. So I think I think Bama will dominate that, that initial matchup, but I think that Clemson, if they are willing to accept this week 
that that'll probably happen. I think there are moves that they can make. You know, not all bad offensive line counters are just solidifying the offensive line. There are other things you can do within the scheme to, to, to get the quick passing game going that you can then build off, and I think that's what Clemson need to do. The other option, obviously, for Clemson is that you've got Renfro, but also Amari Rogers, T. Martin's son. Obviously, T. Martin won the national championship as quarterback of Tennessee, was the offensive coordinator at USC. Um these are, you know, five foot nine, five foot ten guys in the slot. This is where you could get winning matchups. Get these guys on linebackers. You've got, you know, you could have Deontay Thompson, the the, the great Alabama safety, rolling across perhaps to cover, um, to cover either over the top on either Tiggins, uh, Higgins or Ross. But also, you could have you could have Thompson isolated man on man against a Hunter Renfro, yeah. and that's not what he wants to be doing. Yeah, he is not Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick in terms of you know his hip movement and those sorts of things. He is a guy that wants to have the play in front of him. You do not want Deontay Thompson turning and having to chase plays. That's not his game. His game is keeping everything very much in front of him. In a sort of Ed Reed kind of yeah. way. That, you know, ball hawking that we talked about um in the we talked about just a minute ago in terms of the Indianapolis Colts and the players they have on defense. Malik, Malik Hooker. Okay. Very similar, yeah, absolutely. He's a ball hawking guy, but you want to keep the play in front of in front of you very much so. You know, can you win those individual matchups? Can you get a Hunter Renfro on a Mac Wilson and get open that, that way? Those are gonna be some of the things that, you know, um that the Clemson offense are gonna to have to try and do. And also the running game. You know, how how much traction can those running backs get? How much traction can ETN get? Can can Trevor Lawrence hit a couple of early ones down the field, which then just slow down the passing the pass rush in terms of you know being able to get the ball out? But on the other hand, if the pass rush is going to come after Lawrence, you know there are going to be whole you know if, if guys are just bombing up draw field the whole players, time exactly all of those, those sorts of things because ETN can break. And, and a draw play that, that works with Travis Etienne could go seventy five. Screen a little screen part. You know if the guys are coming up fit, if Anthony Jennings and Miller are coming off the little screen passes in behind to ETN to Adam Choice, those sorts of things are going to be you know they are going to be critical for Clemson. To I think Clemson ball. need like you know they maybe don't need one hundred and fifty yards from ETN, but they need they need three or four special players from a guy who I honestly think is the best running back in college football at this point you know insane talent I think they need a two, three, four players from him it doesn't matter if he rushes for 80 yards I would rather EDN like you've just said screen passes rush for 70 yards and receive for 70 yards on little screens and things like that in this game than I would him obviously if he rushes for 200 yards great I ultimately don't think that happens so I think they need to rely a little bit on the individual brilliance of him to make some plays as well. And I think he will make the plays. We've made the case there fairly convincingly for, for Clemson to win the national championship. And we sit here and think, yep, Clemson have got it in the bag. And now let's flip to the other side of the ball when <laughs> Alabama have the ball. And all of a sudden you think, ah, oh, wait a minute. These guys are pretty special too. Starts up front, obviously, with Tua Tungavailoa. Starts uh, quarterback with Tua Tungavailoa. But the option, of course, to bring Jalen Hurts into the game. And Nick Saban won't be afraid to do that if he feels like it's necessary. And you could see them throwing to Jalen Hurts. They certainly did so um, in, in the semi-final. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility for, for Hurts to, to play some quarterback at all. We've talked ad infinitum about what... Tungavailo brings to the party accuracy, ability to move the pocket, uh, throwing, timing throws, just a phenomenal quarterback. And like you mentioned at the very top, almost certainly the first pick in, the, in next year's draft. The one caveat to that is that I know that his parents are very, very keen for him to graduate. And whether oh, or not... Really? Yeah, oh, and, and you're aware that his parents decided oh, he was going absolutely. to absolutely. And, and live with him yeah. in Alabama. I mean, they moved from Hawaii, from the islands to... Li- oh. uh, not just mum and dad, 
Everybody, yeah, I know. and they are because his, his 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 brother, four star recruit, is going, going to, to Bama. Bama this year. They are well. very, very, very keen for him to graduate with well, a degree. And in that case, I'd be stunned if he comes out next year. Which, his parents literally decided without consulting him where he was going to college. Which, by the way, makes the twenty twenty one draft <laughs> the, the greatest with, of all the, time. With Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tungavala in the same draft would yeah. be. Ridiculous. It would be like a better version of of what people perceive the RG three look draft to be. Yeah, but just better. A lot better. Yeah. I mean, because because I mean, it would be imagine sitting with the first overall pick having to make that decision. I mean, it's essentially, you're re if you could just redraft. Say, let's go back eight years and say that we're going to put Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers into the draft, <laughs> and they've played eight years of the NFL, they've won Super Bowls, and now you're going to get the chance to, to pick these two guys. Pick your poison. Yeah, this is essentially what it's going to be like. Yeah, because that- you know, and I've been doing this draft thing for a long time, and I can't think of too many more surefire things than Tungavalo and, and and Lawrence's NFL quarterbacks. No. So I, I can't think there's been a a million percent surefire one to that level since Luck. Yeah, that's the one thing that would concern you if you were Clemson in terms of if Lawrence gets hurt you know we don't want to ever talk about yeah. you know Alabama if Tua, uh, if Tua gets hurt it's not ideal but you've got Jalen Hurts yeah. you know who's you know won a national championship essentially almost won a national championship on his own um, in Tampa a couple of years ago when Deshaun Watson hit Hunter Renfro with four seconds left to win the game you know if if Lawrence does go down, if he has to come out of the game, Chase Bryce obviously came in and did that brilliant job to rescue their season against Syracuse, that incredible fourth and nine play yeah. where he rolled right and, and made a tremendous throw. But it felt to- like even his good players, it was hanging on by an absolute thread, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you were, you know, to 50 pence, five pence, I think, if people understand what that means, that's <laughs> what you'd be doing if you were a Clemson fan. But, let, you know, let's look at elsewhere. And, you know, you look at running backs, for example, when, when Alabama have the ball. You know, let's take their top three running backs. Damian Harris, NFL back, probably top 60 pick. Absolutely outstanding. Oh, Damian's down. Well, there's Najee Harris, the, the number one overall high school player of the year from, from two years ago. He Oh, if he goes down. This is the best to of me, the three. To me, the best of the three. Yeah, it is. Josh Jacobs, to me, is the best running back it will be the best running back in the draft if he enters it. To me, I think he's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. I mean, he's what? Six six foot, 216 pounds. He can block, he can catch, and by God, he can run. I mean, he's been massively underused. He is a phenomenal factor back. It may be that he never even touches the ball in this game because that's why, the he's, way... It- he's going to have, in terms of his own career... The greatest Alabama career in history, because Alabama are notorious in the past for running these backs into the ground, basically. Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, all these guys. Jacobs has just been a Swiss Army knife functional guy who, as you say, I think with Montgomery and the kid from FAU, who I've watched a bit of recently, those three, to me, would be the best three backs in the draft if Jacobs decided to come out. I mean, he's had about 240 carries in his career. It's ridiculous. At Alabama. I mean... He, he's insanely good. I mean, I think he's the best... I mean, frankly, I, I think ETN's the best back in college football, and I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Jacobs is the best back in the game. I, I, you know I, what I mean? We yeah. just haven't seen it over a over a sustained period of time, so... I mean, you take Josh, Jacob, Josh Jacobs' 240-ish carries in, in his college career... And then you you counter that with Ricky Williams with <laughs> one thousand and eleven carries. You know, in terms of in terms of tread on the tires, 
that's you know that's what we're talking about. You if you're drafting Josh Jacobs and he will be a first round draft, and it, that that's part of the draft evaluation, by the way. Oh, absolutely. If I'm in the JM room, saying, well, he's had about twenty percent of the production of most college. But... It's phenomenal, and he's the number three back essentially. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And then in terms of the receivers that 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 Bama have, I mean, it's you know we talked about. We talked about the guys that, that Clemson have in terms of Ross and Renfro and Higgins and Rogers and all these guys. You know, then you're looking really at another stable of insanely good running backs of, of wide receiver. You know, Jerry Judy, who won the Blitnikoff Award. Jerry Judy is essentially Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley, part yeah. three, isn't he? Jalen Waddell. You've got Devonta Smith, who's already won a national championship with his with overtime the, uh, catch, yeah. you know, last year against Georgia. And then Henry Ruggs. Who might be the fastest player I've, I've never ever seen? seen. Anybody as fast. There is a touchdown. In fact, he got called back. But there's a touchdown. I think against South Carolina that the Alabama score on a screenplay. And if you just if you just type into Twitter Henry Ruggs touchdown, he literally catches a screen pass from Tunga Tuivasa, and it may even be a sort of backward pass on the sideline. His acceleration. I mean, I don't think Usain Bolt would have caught him. It can is you, ridiculous. Can you, can you remember? I think he was called Jeff Demps, the kid of it Florida, was Florida who kid, was yeah. the who was the Olympic sprinter. I think he was in the US 2012 sprint team. I think he was in the, the, either the relay team or, or made the 200-meter final or something like that. He was definitely a... Um, he is the only guy I can immediately think of who is faster than, than Ruggs. I mean, that, that clip, you sent me that clip that you're talking about. Yeah. Astonishing. He ran in the, he ran in the 4x100-meter relay final in London 2012 yeah. uh, as part of the, the US team that were disqualified. But... And he made the tee. And I think Ruggs is faster. Yeah. I mean, Ruggs is a legitimate 4-2 at worst. We talk about X-Factors, though, mate. And the, the, I suppose the other X-Factor for me in this game, for Alabama when they have the ball, is Irv Smith. Because this is the one distinct advantage, I think, that Alabama have over Clemson in terms of that tight end position. Smith is a really good pass-catching tight end, and I'm not sure Clemson have that guy. And this, I think, is a superior matchup for Alabama. Who was the guy? Clemson had a guy, didn't they, a couple of years ago? Under um, when Watson was playing a tight end, and he made some huge plays in the game. Oh, he was um, uh, the, the name is escaped. Yes, it's escaped me too. But um, I think Smith is, you know, Smith himself is potential first round tight end talent, isn't he? I mean, he, he's like it's like Audrey Howard part two again. Although I would say Smith's been a better college tight end so far than Howard did. Howard was a projection of a guy in a lot of senses, but yeah, I mean, I think this is this is one area where Clemson's offense is really lacking. And Alabama have a massive edge over them because because I just think I think Smith is just I, it wouldn't surprise me if outside of Tungavailoa if Bama win, Ev Smith ends up being the key guy. Yeah, Jordan Leggett is the guy. Yeah, Leggett is. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of defensively for Clemson, Dexter Lawrence will miss the game, which is which is pretty huge and, and disappointing for Lawrence because he you know he's had an outstanding career, been a terrific player and I, I know decided to come back. Yeah, right? absolutely. So to sit out both the semi-final and the national championship game is, you know, it, it is a shame for 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 somebody of his quality and, you know, pairing him alongside Christian Wilkins obviously huge for Clemson. The flip side of that is that certainly they did not seem to miss him a great deal in that in that semi-final because they got excellent uh Excellent work from Albert Huggins, who stepped in. You know, again, people talk about Cleland Ferrell and Lawrence and Wilkins being high. Albert Huggins is going to be a probably a top three round pick in the in the draft. And then they also got excellent work on the perimeter from um, from Xavier Thomas, who's going to be the next sort of superstar off the off the production line in terms of defensive end talent, who made a number of big plays against Notre Dame. 
so losing Lawrence is a blow and it's a blow in terms of his leadership but he's obviously been there on the sideline and I think that the reports are that he's kind of almost op- operating like a bit of a coach helping the guys out but like I said Huggins steps in does a really good job shutting down Dexter Williams getting a lot of pressure on Ian Book you know they were unable to run the ball Notre Dame they weren't able to get the, the pass game going after the first couple of drives so how much of a loss is that how much of a drop off is that in terms of Huggins coming in can he match up really well against that Bama offensive line which is strong all across the board I think for any and basically any other team and I include Bama in this because I think if Bama lost Quinn and Williams there would well it's hard to say because let's time last year we barely heard of Quinn and Williams so you do, that's what separates these two teams from anybody else is you know you assume these are going to be huge losses but in reality the depth is so ludicrous I mean Clemson's defensive line I just wrote down quickly this morning where I thought the other three of the four main guys would go who'll play so Farrell's obviously going to be first round maybe top ten pick uh, Christian Wilkins round two round one round, I think he goes in one. one I think he's the the kind of guy who'll be picked in the 20s yeah. just towards the end of the round Austin Bryant's an interesting one maybe a little bit further fourth, down third, maybe, fourth round maybe, maybe third yeah. round at best but also he's still a third round pick which yeah. means he's an outstanding yeah. player at this level so Lawrence for likely top 45 yeah. pick Huggins top three four rounds I mean it's ridiculous so that's even without him your three guys you're looking at at worst probably fourth round picks most two of them probably first round picks and that's before you get into the replacement guys so I think actually the way I look at it is you know Notre Dame in that game lost their best cornerback their best defensive player they couldn't overcome it I think that Clemson almost could overcome it because this is the strongest area of the team. You obviously don't want to lose a guy who is one of your best three players, but actually, if you're going to lose a player in any position, this is the one to lose it in for me. And I think they'll be fine. I actually think, you know, the reason I'm starting to convince myself Clemson could win, I think with the emergence of Justin Ross, Clemson's offence is as good as Alabama's offence. And with, with Lawrence now being a bit more experienced, you see that he is everything that we always thought he was going to be. I think that Clemson's defence is better than Alabama's defence. Interesting. So if you were just looking at it like that, I could see a scenario where they win. The caveat to me is, and we've mentioned the Clemson offensive line, I think Bama's offensive line is better than Clemson's. So I could see a scenario where Bama, as much as the skill position talent is is equal on offence, but Bama maybe shared the edge there because of the offensive line. There's a couple of players at Clemson's second level that, that don't really get talked about very much. Uh, that could help control that run game because you know Dexter Lawrence obviously being the big people eater in terms of you know he'd be taking up you know Lester um, Lester Cotton and, and Ross Piercebacker in terms of you know almost double getting having to get doubled because of his size in the run game. Yeah. The onus then falls because Christian Wilkins is obviously much of a you know much more of a Quinn and Williams type in terms of going forward and, and pressuring the pocket rather than being a run defender as such. The, two of the key players I think in this matchup are Trey Lamar, the Buckus Award finalist linebacker. And a sophomore, Isaiah um, Isaiah Simmons, who uh, sort of linebacker safety yeah. hybrid, who is going to be a very very high first round pick in the. I 20- think Simmons is a top ten pick oh, at, at worst. He's astonishing at worst, and you know. Have you seen the, Have you seen how big he is? He's, I mean, he's, he's about six foot four and runs what I think is going to be like a four three. And four, he's two twenty six yeah, or something. Sure. It's it's ridiculous. These are two guys who are really going to be integral to shutting down that Bama offense. And then obviously on the perimeter, you've got Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback who, again, another sort of top 60 pick in terms of what looks like to be a really good cornerback class with Greedy Williams and Dee Baker and, and Murphy at Washington and uh, and those kind of guys. That's but where it, I would give the edge to 
to I think the clubs more experience in the secondary. Yeah. More experience. I mean, Bam- Bama have, and, and I just think the matchup. You know, these these Bama receivers are, are really very, very difficult to come up against because they're so fast in the middle of the field. They can kind of do everything. Where Clemson have the advantage is the height of their receivers that Bama's don't necessarily have. Bama have a lot of shorter, quick, quick guys, and and it looks great when the offense is rolling. But in reality, I think that the cornerbacks for Clemson, you see the better matchup there in terms of size on the perimeter, and I think that's in these kind of games you need to be able to make those plays on the perimeter as well. One thing that we're not we don't talk about, but it could very much come down to this, is the special teams game. In terms of both teams have struggled a little bit with special team punt blocks, missed field goals, those sorts of things. We kind of take it for granted, given the ridiculous talent that is available at all positions. But again, and it seems churlish to say so, but because it's so obvious, but we kind of forget about it. special teams is going to be mightily important in this game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when the games get to this point. It feels like to me when the margins get really tight, this is when special teams makes its difference. I mean, it's when it truly becomes the third phase of the game. And as you say, the, the, the difficulty in this game is that both teams have their problems with it. And some people might then suggest, well, that makes special teams overrated. Only in the only in the the world of Alabama and Clemson because of how good the rest of the roster is. But when that two forces meet each other, then obviously that can be the that can be the difference in the game. And I mean. I've seen how many games have come down to special teams over the years, particularly in college football, where generally the levels are, are, are lower than the NFL. So there you go. Should be an incredible matchup. Uh, and we, again, we haven't even talked about the Nick Saban versus Dabo Swinney <laughs> as well. I mean, the the two best coaches in college football. And easily, now, that's a wide yeah, margin, isn't Barna. it? And two teams a wide margin above everybody else as well. Let's get your prediction then. Where do you think it will be one loss? On grass, Levi Stadium. So, you know, it won't be cold. Um, won't be on turf. Uh, you know, both these teams play on grass. So it doesn't feel like there's a matchup, you know, that favours one team or the other in terms of the field and, and where it's played. But in terms of the score, how you how do you see it? How do you think it will play out? And, and ultimately, who do you think will be national champion? I think... Clemson are going to win it. Wow. I really do. I've changed. I've changed a lot in the last few weeks. I've got a feeling like thirty-one twenty-eight Clemson. Nice, nice MVP Lawrence. Okay. And I, I think this is it, Lawrence for me. He's had his coming out party, but this feels like the game where he he kind of catapults himself even further in in kind of the consciousness of not the college football watching public because everyone knows that. But this is a game that transcends just college football you know NFL fans will watch it I'm, I'm back and forth on this and I you know I talk about Clemson I think Clemson going to win and I talk about Bama and I think Bama are going to win ultimately I think it comes down to, to the quarterbacks ultimately I think Lawrence long term might be better but Tua's better but right I think now. Tua might be better right now I think if Trevor Lawrence does win it then I think you are looking at a guy who's ultimately going to win the next two Heisman trophies um, because the, the the he will come into the next season as the guy. Yeah, you know he will he will play a lot of football. He will be the favourite, and therefore, much like if you're the number one ranked team in the nation, it's very hard to knock you off that unless you have a bad game. And look at the line. You know, we talked about the schedule that Clemson have next year. There's not a there's not a difficult game on there. So he could realistically come in and throw 330 yards and three, four, five touchdowns per game. And not really worry about his, you know, he's not going to, it's not like all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence against Charlotte is going to throw, you know, 13 of 52 for 104 (laughs) yards and five picks. That's not going to happen. You know, we saw what he did against Boston College and oh, it's Trevor. Well, he just took Boston College apart. 
You know, oh, is he going to have the Notre Dame? No, you know, 300 and some odd yards. It's and- not just taking these teams apart either. Some of the throws in that Notre Dame game were absolutely breathtaking. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I go back and forth. Really. I, I think... I think Alabama, I think it might go to overtime and I think Alabama might win it again on a touchdown in overtime. 38-31 or 37-31. I think it's going to be tight. I'll be amazed if it's anything more than a one touchdown win for, for either side. And I think it's just yet another, con- the continuation of this, just like you said at the top, really, this great series of games between these two special sides. So, And for people struggling to get excited, right? And you must be dead. Criticising the CFP because... We've got this game. Just remember, Alabama Notre Dame seven or eight years ago, and what a terrible game that was because you had to include an unbeaten Notre Dame. In the way that this season, how would it have worked out? Had Clemson lost one game, you would have had that same game, and it would have been dreadful. Enjoy what should be an incredible game between two teams. Enjoy it on ESPN Player. Uh, kickoff, I think, is one o'clock in the morning on Tuesday morning, maybe one fifteen, something like that. Late, but it's it? yeah, and it probably it does run over a little bit. If you've never really tuned into college football, and if you are intending to watch it live, college football games tend to last a little bit longer. Half times tend to go really drag in college football, which is annoying. But you will not be disappointed, and I can pretty much guarantee that this game will come down to the final drive. Uh, it should be an absolute barn burner. Should be one of the, the the great moments of the season, NFL or college football. So do enjoy it. Do enjoy it on ESPN Player, and we will be back next week with a podcast with a Clancy on campus to recap everything that happens in Santa Clara in Levi Stadium in the national championship game between Alabama and Clemson. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.